The Pace Line is a production of the Cycling Independent with the support of listeners like you and the master bike builders at Seven Cycles. We are community supported, community focused, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. At the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, John Lewis. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Dude, uh, can I jump in with a little update from last week? I wish you would. (laughs) Okay, so uh, my poll last week was uh, about a New York Times article and kids and anxiety and pandemic and... Uh, what to do about that anxiety. And it posed a question, you know, ask kids, uh, what new freedoms would you like? Or what additional freedoms would you like? Which I did over the weekend. Uh, Somewhat to my surprise, I think that's what I'm going for here. Um, My youngest, Matthew, answered ahead of my oldest, Philip. I figured Philip was going to be the one with the long laundry list of like, oh, I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do this. No, it was Matthew. And he had a clear answer right away. He said uh, he'd like to go to the nearby park by himself. And then he ratcheted up almost in the same breath. He said he wanted to ride his bike there. Um, and I said, well, let's let's take this kind of one freedom at a time. Uh, this is for context. How far is this park? Uh, 200 yards. OK, 200 yards. Yeah. Got it. And he's 10. I mean, yeah, the amount of freedom I had at his age, you know, just light years difference. Um, right. I am embarrassed by this. And, and to reiterate my concern as evidence in my poll last week. 90% of my concern hasn't been like, you know, kidnappers with candy. It's been the nanny state of, you know, mom's calling CPSC on me. Um, or no, uh, CPS. Sorry. I've been writing about the Consumer Product Safety Commission recently. Um, it's no, it's been like mom's being up in my business um, thinking I'm, you know, being a reckless parent. That's really been the whole of my concern. And so... Uh, this is a very short distance. It's one light, but two crosswalks because of the way they handle a right turn. This is not a huge challenge. Um, but, you know, he came out with it. Boom, right there. This is what I want. And I said, well, you know, OK, we will hold off on the bike riding there just yet. Um, and, you know, I said, I got to teach you how to lock your bike up and the part that I didn't say, <laughs> the inside part that stayed inside was I got to figure out how you don't lose the key. I figure I know how to teach him. I can teach him how to lock up a bike easily enough. Keeping track yeah. of the key is next level with this kid. He can't, <laughs> he can't hang on to a dollar bill, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I have a 18 year old who's off at college now and I've got him a new lock for his bike. And that was also my concern. So, 
Oh, wow. Yeah. So some things don't change. Okay. Got it. Well, I mean, the other, the other piece of that is, um, we don't use keys at my house. Mm-hmm. I don't lock my front door. I very rarely lock my car. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people think I'm reckless, mm-hmm. but anyway, go yeah. on. So, yeah. so here you are. Uh, so, uh, the, you know, it's like 15 minutes later, um, after I've asked the question, like he's ready to go. Can we go? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, he walked to, to the park, uh, dealing with two crosswalks, you know, with me walking a dozen or so feet behind him just when he did the crosswalks i would make sure to catch up with him so he wasn't like one full one ahead of me um so we got there and i said okay well let's walk back now and uh he was not stoked with that answer he was curious about why we had to come back immediately and then i explained to him well you know i need to see that you can find your way back as well um and that clicked for him. It was funny. He kind of looked over his shoulder and up at me like, oh, yeah, okay, that is a different thing. All right. Um, and, you know, we got back home and I asked Philip, you know, have you given this any more thought? And he had spun off into fantasy land. His first suggestion was learning to fly a plane. Oh, sure. I have not gotten a serious answer out of him yet. <laughs> right. Right. Well, the teenager is going to be uh, pretty shrewd because uh, in in asking for certain freedoms, he will be be betraying some of his thought patterns, which must be kept secret from the parental unit at all times. So I get that. I yeah, I hadn't considered that. And you are exactly right, sir. Knowing who I was at that age. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Information is power. Anything. <laughs> And most of, most parental questions are traps. Uh, so I, you know, I, I, um, yeah, I, I keep forgetting that I am on the other side of a massive divide. Yeah. You know, I think of us as a team and he's thinking of me as somebody he needs to outwit. Yeah. You are the, um, you are the, uh, spy agency operating for the, other side yeah yeah Yeah. uh and and you know the other side in toto yes (laughs) yes (gasps) all right yeah so anyway detente is best you can hope for go on (laughs) sorry sorry (laughs) well yeah so i mean you know I, i here was one situation where i i saw a great suggestion on parenting and i i took the advice uh which i'd like to suggest is not entirely unlike me um but i may fail at that yeah um but yeah it was a i thought it was a neat uh suggestion and i put it to use and already it's paying dividends uh yeah neat stuff and so so is he off to the park these days uh, we haven't really had any any chances for that to take place um but uh i'm uh you know with the next weekend he's with me um, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do that. I'm just going to ask him, you know, Hey, you want to go to the park? Have fun. <laughs> that sounds good. There's that a separate issue that has literally just occurred to me, which is how long. Yeah. 
he he's self-governed a little bit more than his older brother. So he may just come back after like 45 minutes. I mean, uh, if he doesn't leave the park, at least you know where to find him. Yeah, that's a really I mean, it's only two letters, but that conditional is uh, significant. Right. <laughs> so before I agonize about that, why don't we jump into your poll? That sounds good. That sounds good. Um, so um, perhaps um, appropriately, I want to talk a little bit this week about attention deficit. Oh, and before I do that, I want to make clear that what I'm talking about is the generalized condition of attention deficit, not the diagnosable condition that many people deal with. I'm not qualified to talk about the diagnosable condition, nor am I diagnosed. So we're just talking about run of the mill attention deficit. Okay. Um, in my mind, this condition manifests on a spectrum, right? So it goes from those who can focus easily for long periods of time through to those who have trouble functioning day to day. I contend with some of the common symptoms of clinical attention deficit. For example, I begin new tasks constantly without finishing the one that I've started. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. I have a hard time keeping track of time. Uh, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but my life and my habits are pretty highly adapted, so I'm I'm functional. Mm -hmm. At this point, you're wondering what this has to do with riding bikes, and it's this. Uh, while many people perceive attention deficit as a negative characteristic, I find it is merely a different way of processing information and organizing behavior. One hundred percent. Yes. My mind moves quickly, mm -hmm. uh, and that means that tasks like bike handling, reacting to rapid changes in the environment, as in traffic or a technical mountain bike trail, they come more easily to me because mm -hmm. I am quick, 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 quick. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I think a large part of my comfort on a bike comes from the speed at which things happen. Yes. Also, 100%. I struggle with stillness. Also, 100%. <laughs> action, particularly action I'm participating in, is soothing to me. It calms me down. I'm just going to hold my hands up like, you know, preach it, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is I, this is probably I don't this is not a revelation for the people who already uh, are in this mode, but maybe I'm explaining this to those who aren't. A few weeks back, we talked about why the bike is for many people, uh, why rather the bike travels at exactly the right speed for adventure. Mm -hmm. Walking is too slow. You don't gain ground or information quickly enough. Cars move too fast and you lose too much detail. The bike is just right. It's and very that, Goldilocks. It's very Goldilocks. And that for me, corresponds to my need to process information and to re and react to my surroundings constantly. Mm -hmm. It also explains why I drifted away from road riding, which is awfully linear most of the time, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and into and I would say pretty deeply into trail riding, which is busy. You're busy. <laughs> uh huh. You are busy occupied. when you're on the trail. Yeah, yes. occupied. I spend a, a fair amount of time wondering why more people don't ride bikes 
why they remain unaware of how magic it is. And seen through this sort of lens of attention, it starts to make more sense to me. A lot of people just can't process information quickly enough to ride a bike. Mm -hmm. It puts them in a state of anxiety rather than a state of calmness. Mm -hmm. And sure, with some practice, they might get to that more peaceful place. But for me and people like me, it's instantaneous. Yeah. As some listeners might know from listening to our other podcast, Revolting, I like loud, fast, often chaotic music. Also true. Yes, I've noticed that about you. And I tell people it's because my mind is loud, fast, and chaotic. And I find music like that soothing. It's like, it's as if someone else has taken the burden of generating the speed and unpredictability off my hands. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that is, uh, to a great extent, what the bike does for me, too. Um, I, I, I was... I was going to follow this up by asking if any of this rings true for you, but given the um, broad grin on your face and the persistent nodding, which listeners can't see. Yeah. I'm uh, almost seasick here. Um, yeah. Uh, so someone once told me that you can measure your attention deficit by counting the number of open tabs you have on your browser in an average day. <laughs> My average open tabs is like six to eight. Your, yours is what? Just take a guess. What? Elevendy. Elevendy? Yeah. I think you once told me that you had multiple browsers open with. Okay, with I don't do that anymore because of what it does to RAM. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I used to, I used to organize, uh, my, my browser windows, uh, according to large divisions in subject matter. <laughs> you know, it was like, um, phylum, you know, kingdom is my computer. And then there's right. the, the phylum, you know, it, it's either animal or vegetable. Uh, right. and, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> what I find is interesting, but that's different between the two of us, is that you will be struck by an idea, open a browser window, and begin down that path. Mm-hmm. Then realize you you have you can't do that right now, so you pull out. But you want to leave that browser window open because it's a good idea, and you want to return to it. Oh hell yeah! I'm going to read um, that article two or three times so that I actually begin to imprint some of that information. Right. Whereas I uh, just give up on ideas much sooner. <laughs> I'm certainly I'm never doing that. Click, 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 click. I just I just lack the ambition you have. Uh, I, it, your word, not mine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I am actually diagnosed uh, but even that in itself is kind of comical because I was going through the assessment for my eldest son, Philip, and I started recognizing that, oh, you used to do that. You used to do that. Actually, you, you kind of still do that one. Oh, you did that one last week. You're doing that one right now. Uh, and so after finishing the assessment for him, I went back and got a little scrap piece of paper and went through the assessment a second time, just answering for myself. And I won't say I scored off the chart, but I was clearly scoring well on the chart. Right. <laughs> and so I made a, 
an appointment with a psychiatrist at Kaiser and went in and sat down with him and told him that story. Um, and I said, but, you know, obviously I am not qualified to diagnose myself. So I figure I should sit down with a professional. He's like, wait, 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 whoa, whoa. You were doing an assessment for your son. Uh-huh. And you recognize traits in yourself. Uh-huh. And so after you were finished, you took the time to go through the entire assessment a second time and score yourself. Uh-huh. And you thought the result was high enough that you should come see me. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I'm not qualified. He's like, I think we can take it on faith that you have it. The question becomes, what would you like to do about it? Right, right, right. And I, I mean, had, had I been a snake where I could unhinge my jaw, it would <laughs> literally have hit the floor. Uh, yeah. It was, it was such a, I mean, he and I still joke about it to this day. I was on the phone with him just a couple weeks ago and I was like, you know, remember I'm the guy who is like, yeah, um, I really hate that it is called attention deficit disorder. Sure. It is a different wiring. I have um, a particular skill set. There are some things that it predisposes me to do really well. Yeah. There are some things that it also makes me do horribly. Yep. But in that, you know, it's not that it helped me see this because I, you know, two or three issues into my run at Bicycle Guide, I wrote a column where I talked about it's pacing, man. You know, road riding does it for me. And for everybody reading this magazine, obviously it does it for you too. But, you know, some things don't fit the pace that I need. And, you know, some things are too quick. Some things are too slow. Uh, you know, going for a walk. No, it works for lots of people. So when I encounter someone who says, you know, Oh, uh, it, you know, that's not really my thing. It's like, well, it, you know, if it doesn't ring the bell for you, it shouldn't be. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very much with you. I, I need, um, a certain level of input to make the rest of me go still. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think speaking to its benefits, I make the connections between things really quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, and to put that in bike context, I can sort of piece together a, a technical line on a trail quickly. Mm -hmm. I can say this is going to happen, then that's going to happen. And then I have to do that. Yeah. Um, and so I roll through things that other people might need another try at. Mm -hmm. Fine. Uh, if that's your superpower, <laughs> good luck. Um, I'm bad at long range planning. No comment. Yeah. Um, you know, so my, my wife and I work well together because she's very good at long range planning. Mm -hmm. Complimentary uh, skill sets. Yes. And I'm very good in the moment at, you know, on the fly problem solving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, so I agree with you completely. I also, I also think that, and this is a thing that's been on my mind quite a bit lately because I have these days where I hold myself in front of the computer all day. Maybe I skip a ride because the weather or, you know, deadlines or, or whatever. And then I end up, I sort of like, I don't feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the 
internet and participating in all the browser tabs and windows really uh, wears me down. It's sort of like it erodes my attention further and further and further, right? Like mm-hmm. we've all got this scrolling, scrolling, reading, scrolling. Um, and so the longer I hold myself in that space, rather in sort of in, in instead of going for a ride, which is therapeutic and soothing, mm-hmm. um, the the harder it gets to be to navigate my days yeah yeah i i i'm with you on that um i it's easy for me to lose track of when i need a reset something we were talking about you know before we began recording right i i can lose track of it and uh what happens for me is once I'm into a, a place where I haven't taken sufficient care of myself, I begin carrying tension in my body. I just get tense. Um, mm. And uh, I'll notice it at first in my hamstrings and glutes um, and then triceps and back and lats and all of that. And it just it'll start ratcheting up until I'm like good grief what is it i need to do here um and i i know the answer i mean there are a couple of things that solve all of this uh in a hurry um but yeah i can you know partly because i feel badly about like oh i'm not a super efficient worker i work in fits and starts and bursts and you know, I, I might write brilliantly for five minutes and then spend the next 35 minutes. You know, I, I don't know where I am. Um, but then I come back and I'll be, you know, brilliant again for another 10 minutes. Um, and if you look over the course of a day, I've been productive, but if you look at any individual hour, you're going to hate me. Uh, that's, that's the story of my childhood. You know, uh, teacher, I was, I was born too early to have been diagnosed. And so teachers and administrators and, you know, all the adults collect the whole set. Uh, they all were infuriated by my lack of focus on the things they wanted me to focus on. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, everybody out there who's nodding your heads. Yeah. We're with you, buddy. Or go or, for a ride or, or woman. Um, I'm not trying to be se- sexist here. Uh, yeah, that's a universal term in my case. I, I, I do to women as well. You do, you do too. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, um, people won't be shocked by the bike as, uh, some sort of therapy tool coping mechanism. Yeah. But yeah. It, but understanding it in that attention context has helped me a lot to understand what I need to be able to do sit down productive work as well as to do better things on the bike. Yeah. Before we go, one little distinction I'm going to draw that because I'm, I'm good at these connections. um, There's a real difference between doing a solo road ride and doing a group ride. Those are a group ride is much busier. Yeah. 
from a standpoint of attention, uh, just attention there, <laughs> yes. we'll, we'll use the one word, uh, from a standpoint of attention, you know, going for a solo ride by yourself, we'll have moments of rapt concentration, uh, followed by long periods of your brain wandering into wherever it wanders. A group ride doesn't allow that you are focused and attentive. Um, and you know, that was one of those things that I loved about group rides. I mean, I could read the bunch. It's this amoeba that's flowing and turning and doing what it's doing. And very often I could read where a hole was going to open up before it actually opened up. I, I could read the pack really well. Right. I miss that. I don't have group rides here um, the way I used to have. I don't want a lot of group rides. I'd like some. <laughs> I'd like some. Yeah. But, you know, for those wondering about, well, wait, I'm doing this thing. It, yeah. A, a solo ride is a very different thing than going on a group ride when you're a road rider. Yeah. I, I find that a solo trail ride ticks all my boxes pretty well. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. 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 Even a good gravel ride for me can, can do pretty well that, that way. If I'm, Oh yeah. Yeah. When I I'm using trail in the generic sense. Sure. Um, Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. We're going to take a break and we'll be like, why do I do this? We will be back in just a moment. Back with us this month is Shimano and the new GRX 12-speed mechanical groups. Rooted in simplicity, reliability, and adventure, the new 12-speed GRX lineup delivers more gearing options along with unrivaled ergonomics so riders get the most out of each unpaved adventure, wherever that might be. There are three flavors for these 12-speed groups, two one-by setups and a two-by. The emphasis is on giving riders the gearing they need to ride the gravel terrain they like best. GRX's ergonomics get an upgrade too with redesigned shift brake levers, adding 12-speed shifting without any additional lever bulk. The RX820 series shifters are designed for all-day comfort when using flared drop bars, a gravel cycling staple. By reducing pressure points and increasing surface area, your hands will feel less fatigued and you'll be more in control as you test your limits. You can learn more at gravel.shimano.com. Okay, we're back with the pace line, the podcast on two wheels. What's your pull for us this week? Well, I've got another thoughtful one. I got an interesting question from someone last week, a longtime reader. Uh, they noted that I've talked about how a sunny 75 degree day can't teach me anything anymore, but I've learned all I can from days like that. And the question they asked was, well, if I've run out of lessons, why stay in cycling? How do I keep cycling interesting? Uh, it's a fair question. Um, I've got a friend who was one of the world's finest sports photographers, uh, he was also a world-class mountaineer, climbed Denali, uh, went on to race motorcycles. His brother, uh, like was a, I think a podium finisher at the Baja 1000, uh, okay. ran, ran a motorcycle, uh, skills teaching school down in Baja. Um, 
And then, you know, when we really started hanging out, uh, he took up bike racing, uh, was doing group rides with me, um, got good enough that he had some placings in the fours. Um, and then shortly thereafter, uh, went on to take up sailing. <laughs> um, and the thing is when he left that sweet spot in the learning curve of an activity and the gains in his knowledge and abilities became much more incremental, he picked up and moved on. Hmm. This is, this is a guy who's been expert level in more different things than I, I don't think I know anyone else who's been, you know, beyond just competent in so many different disciplines. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's crazy. Uh, and the thing is, I get how much fun it is to stay in that sweet spot where the learning comes easily, rapidly. Uh, and yes, while I'm not learning anything from days that are sunny in 75, that's not to say I'm still learning. Uh, when I was in my thirties, most of my lessons revolved around being more fierce, sprinting harder, climbing faster, suffering more, uh, increased aerobic fitness and more muscle were my answers in cycling. Um, what I found myself confronting this summer is how to be more smooth. That mm. is to glide over rocks more easily or to look for the gentler line around them. Um, on gravel, I'm trying to learn to take, yes, also a smoother line, um, unweight myself better over bumps so that I'm not losing momentum by hitting them square or by carving a longer line around them. Uh, another lesson that has been coming at me steadily for several years now has been empathy. Um, and so now we're stepping into, you know, the larger sphere of my life, um, respecting all, all the more, um, the effort that people put in to ride on say weekdays. Uh, you know, the person who rides three days a week has more in common with the person who rides five or six days a week than with the person who only rides on the weekends. It's a sacrifice. And one that I recognized, but I don't think I really respected until the circumstance of my life no longer had daily rides built into the edges of my day. Right. You know, when they're a cornerstone of what the arc of a day is, you know, you think, yeah, I'm, I'm cool. I've got all this worked out. Take away that group ride that another 60 people are showing up for. And hmm, maybe you're not all that. Uh <laughs> And as this was a conversation kind of between friends, uh, I was thinking that it was uh, not really the stuff of a poll until I had a minor epiphany. Um, the lessons that I learned now in cycling, uh, or at least in the last couple of years, since I haven't been doing many big events, um, they, to a certain degree, they have reflected my years of history in cycling, the, 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 my longevity with this sport. I expect that because, uh, I'm at a point in my life where empathy tends to happen to us all. Um, you know, much the way bad eyesight does, by the way, uh, I'd be learning empathetic lessons no matter what my pastime was, but 
due to my dedication to cycling, um, I think the lessons for me in cycling relative to empathy, you know, are richer and they teach me more about my life outside cycling. Um, that's when I realized this was worth sharing with our audience. Mm. Yeah, I, I feel that, um, uh, having, having spoken about attention deficit before, one of the things that I'm trying to learn is to slow down, <laughs> just learn to slow down. Mm -hmm. And there are all kinds of drivers, right? Like there is this sort of, uh, onboard attention deficit that we were talking about, but there's also this conditioning where, um, you know, you, we are throttled by work. You know, mm -hmm. you must be more and more productive all the time. Mm -hmm. And if you sometimes someone said something very interesting to me lately, they said they had started a new job and they found three or four weeks in that they were stressed out by the fact that they were not stressed out. <laughs> so they, I can party they, with that person. Yeah, they realized that their default mode was like panic mode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you must be, oh, gotta go, 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 go. And between my whatever level of ADD I, I have and the conditioning of that sort of um, product, the cult of productivity, um, it's hard to slow down and be thoughtful. And my work, my writing work for a long time has lived in the 500 to thousand word range mm. because it's kind of what I can get done. That's a, that's a burst. It's one good, big burst. That's right. Yeah. Can I knock out seven solid paragraphs? I most definitely can. <laughs> Um, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to slow everything down. I'm trying to take everything less seriously. And there's this riding metaphor. I've been riding with a friend who is new to mountain biking. She's a heck of a runner. Mm -hmm. Uh, we learned to ski together uh, and she wanted to, after we learned to ski, she wanted to take a mountain biking. So like one day a week I ride mountain bikes with her mm -hmm. and she's slower than I am naturally. Yeah, because because I got, I don't know, 30, 30 years of head start. Uh, and so I'm I'm riding more slowly with her and that mm, causes me to process the trail more slowly and deliberately. And she will say to me, I'm sorry if this is boring you. We're going so slowly. And I say to her with with deep sincerity, like this is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Because if mm -hmm. I was with a different group, a more experienced group, and we were ripping along, I would bash into that boulder or I would go over that log in a certain way. But because we're going more slowly, I have to execute whatever the skills are more slowly, more deliberately and, and more cleanly. Yeah, because I don't yep. have the momentum and the power just to bash through. And it is fascinating. It is fascinating. Like the first, mm -hmm. I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes that I ride with her, I'm sort of like, oh, this really is slow. And then after that, I forget about it completely because I'm just breaking the trail down 
in a in a way that I find really rewarding. You know, the difference between 13 miles an hour on a trail and 17 miles an hour on a trail is essentially a different trail. Yeah. Some years ago, uh, I, my girlfriend at the time was a mountain biker and I was following her down this one trail that uh, my my neighbors will know, uh, North Burma in Annadale. And normally I'm going down there at full warp. Uh, mm -hmm. You can go better than 20 miles an hour in spots. Uh, mm -hmm. This is upper North Burma. It's, a, it's often referred to as a flow trail. There are a lot of little berms and whatnot that have just kind of naturally been ridden in by people. Um, <clears throat> and at the speed I normally go at, there's this one rock off on the left that I look at and I think, you know, if I hit that, ooh, that could be a, I don't know, a cartwheel, a backflip, a yard sale. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of different things could happen at that speed because I'm not prepared to hit something that big at this speed. Mm. But I was following her one day and we got to that and we were going slow enough. It's like, oh, hell yeah, <laughs> I am hitting that. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, huge air huge air for me um mm -hmm. you know better than two feet that's not <laughs> in real life yeah yep yep not in real life that's uh but for me um in that park that's a lot of air two feet um, is 20 feet when you're our age go on yeah uh but you know I, I was like oh my god that's fun i gotta do that next time I, well next time i was going down i was again at full warp i was like not a chance yeah yeah yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I do I there's so much still to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh here's where I put in a plug for my my buddy's uh book Nar Country, Stephen Kotler's book Nar Country. Uh, uh yeah, little reminder nominated for the Pulitzer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for anyone who feels that they are not still on the upswing of their biological life and wants to grow, wants to gain abilities, it's, it's more case study than textbook. And my God, I love his writing, but of everything he's ever written, uh, that's the funniest, most engaged uh, he's ever been. It's just, you feel like you're on, uh, along for the ride with a buddy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. Another good reason to recommend that book. Okay. Let's move on to pace line picks. Uh, all right. So I'm back this week with one more lightweight tech tea. Mm. Uh, this time the Patagonia men's Capoline cool lightweight shirt. Oh dude, that's cheating. Picking this shirt. <laughs> Anytime you re review a Patagonia product, it's like, yeah, it's badass. Moving right <laughs> along. <laughs> Sorry. No, please continue. Okay. It's worth explaining that I come to a lot of these non-cycling shirts for my sideline as a trail runner. Mm -hmm. uh, you get less evaporative cooling when you're running versus cycling. So a few runs will tell me how good a shirt will be to ride in. Because mm -hmm. I use all the stuff for all the stuff. <laughs> From a functional point of view, Patagonia's capoline material is as good or better than most of the technical moisture wicking fabrics out there. Mm -hmm. 
But what sets this shirt apart is that it is really pleasantly light. Uh, and you can trust at the same time that it's a responsibly produced non-toxic garment. Amen. Literally most of the tech clothing we wear, me too, uh, contains forever chemicals, mm-hmm. Flo- polyfluoroalkyl substances. P- okay. P- yeah. P- PFA, PFAS, they call them. Yeah. Um, but Patagonia is at the forefront of finding alternatives. Uh, their fabrics are certified as blue sign approved, which means they conform to strict environmental and safety requirements. And these are made in a fair trade certified factory as well. Historically, with their clothing, there's been a premium associated with the commitment they make to doing things the right way. Yeah, yeah. But this shirt comes in under 50 bucks, which puts it right in the mix and actually cheaper than a lot of what you pay for a prime tech tee. Hmm. Yeah. I'm seeing premium tech tees now in the 60, 70, $80 range. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is $49. It comes in, <laughs> in a range from extra small to double XL. So pretty good size coverage. There are just three colors, black, gray, and light forge gray. Which, <laughs> which Black and a darker black, as Archer would say. Right. Um, the forge gray is, is a bluish color. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's the one that I bought. I bought the light blue one because my wife says it brings out the blue in my eyes. So well, there uh, you go. I'm trying not to wear just black all the time. Also, in summertime, I like the lighter colors. But right. it's, a, it's just... As you say, like picking a Patagonia product or this product in particular, and it's been on the market a long time. <laughs> it's just so solid. An item that you're mm-hmm. it does feel like cheating. So when weather gets cooler, when it's not actually cold yet, but yeah. it starts cooling off and I'm just, you know, out and about walking around, um, I will often take uh, a little insulating layer you know, a uh, base layer, long sleeved and wear that beneath a t-shirt. Yep. I'll wear a looser fitting t-shirt and then I'll have something with long sleeves beneath it. Uh, right now in my suitcase for my upcoming travels, I have a lightweight cap lean <laughs> base layer from Patagonia. And uh, that shirt is 30 years old. Whoa. 30 years old. I bought it in 1990s. Yeah. I was wearing it between, uh, beneath, uh, Nordic ski, uh, gear that I had. I recall this. Um, it was, a um, early, uh, well, late fall, uh, spring weight, uh, garment for that stuff. Or I'd, I'd wear it beneath like a long sleeve cycling Jersey. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, one of the things about Capilene is it won't pick up stink the way polypropylene will. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, I, I as someone who generates stink, I, <laughs> oh, I, I, I recognize that benefit. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, um, picking a, a Capilene product, picking any Patagonia product, but especially the Capilene ones, that's you're cheating. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not against cheating. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, because it, it is a, a great recommendation. This week, I'm returning to a wheel that I've been riding for three years now. Um, the Envy G23. This is a gravel wheel uh, with a carbon fiber rim with a 23 millimeter inner width. Um, they have only 24 spokes front and rear, which is a, you know, like every time I look at the wheels, like there's just not enough spokes. Um, but they come in three, uh, different choices in hubs, uh, Envy's alloy hub, um, I nine or their top of the line version, uh, features Chris King hubs. Um, my pair just has the Envy hubs. Uh, now, I have to say it has been a while since I last damaged a carbon fiber rim, which is a lovely statement to make. Um, so saying that I've got more than 2000 miles on these wheels with no rim problems may not sound like much, but this part should. I can tell you I've damaged carbon fiber rims by hitting objects with less force than these rims suffered with a few rock hits I subjected to them to in the last six months. Uh, also given the force of the hits and that I could feel the rim bottom out against a rock on several occasions, I really don't understand how these wheels have stayed so unerringly true with only 24 spokes. Right. You know, I think, you know, and I should also, uh, clarify. Yeah. I've never cut a tire with these. And I think that owes to the, the way the edge of the rim is shaped, um, it's it's rather big and has a you know very smooth roundness to it um the hubs are through axle um you can choose uh 15 or 12 by 100 and 12 by 142 in the rear they take center lock rotors and can i just say that i'm really happy that center lock is finally catching on well you can I, say yeah, it. i did I did. Uh, <laughs> it makes me happy. Um, they are available with all of the major free hub bodies and or drivers, uh, N3W, Shimano HG, or SRAM XDR. <sighs> One of the neat things about Envy, um, something they've done, is to create a series of tables uh, that correlate their wheels with specific tire widths and recommended pressure. And I gotta say... What they recommend for a rider, my weight, is pretty spot on. In some cases, their recommended pressure is even lower than what I've been running, um, mm. especially as, as tires get narrower, um, the, the suggested pressures they are coming up with are, yeah, lower than what I've done. Um, so it's both a, a reassurance that I'm doing it well, and it's nice to see that they're not uh, steering people in the direction of like, you know, higher pressure just cause, uh, well, higher pressure. If they recommended higher pressure, there's a warranty calculation there for them as well. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're running lower pressure, yeah, rims more likely to be damaged. So if they're suggesting lower than you think is prudent, that says something about their confidence. Not not lower than I think prudent, but, you know, into the range where I've still been kind of uh, experimenting with pressure. Uh, I recently did a, a ride where I did go too low on pressure, uh, 28 with some 40s, and I could begin to feel the tire squirming. So it's like, OK, I have reached that lower limit. Mm. Um, yeah. Tire squirm is something I'm, you know, I know I know guys who can who can ride with that and. 
uh, make use of that traction. I am not one of that set. Mm. Uh, and speaking of tire width, by my measure, the 40 millimeter gravel tire I have on the wheels currently measures pretty true to size. Uh, though when I was running a 28 millimeter tire on that, uh, on those rims, they measured more like 29. They were uh, running a little bit bigger because of that 23 millimeter inner width. Mm. Um, so depending on which hubs someone orders, a set goes for either 2550 or $3,000. We will have a link in our show notes. <sighs> All right, my dude, uh, that's a wrap on another episode of the pace line. Uh, this would be where we tell people that next week, uh, the episode will be out a little later, probably only hours later, not a day later. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. But if you were planning on having us along on your Thursday commute, uh, it might be your commute home instead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, alrighty. Well, as always, we would love to hear your thoughts about anything we talked about today. Um, comments, Questions, concerns, criticisms, uh, any other C words we can get in? I was just going to say, any other C words? Yeah. Uh, And hey, if you stop by, we'd love it if you would actually subscribe. We don't want you to consider subscribing. We actually need the subscribing. So we have three, five, and $10 options. Or if you want a one-time deal, we've got a tip jar. Uh, Your dollars, again, no private equity here. yeah, we're we're not Wall Street types. We live rather close to the bone. So it goes to John, me, Steve, our other contributors. Uh, yeah, please and thank you. We need your help to keep doing what we do. Until next week, I am Patrick Brady with John Lewis. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line. <laughs>